0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And welcome to our latest readout video from our Wednesday wake-up email newsletter. This week I want to start by talking about a characteristic piece of illogic from the alarmist side. In this specific instance, it's about how climate change is good for beavers because warmth is good for life. Which might seem to break one of the rules of climate change alarmism, namely that warming, only favors horrible things. But according to the study, thawing permafrost means more beaver dams in Alaska, and more beaver dams means more thawing permafrost. Quote, climate researchers fear that as temperatures rise, this permafrost could increasingly thaw and become unstable. If that happens, it could release massive quantities of greenhouse gases, which would intensify climate change. You see, where climate change is involved, All processes seem to involve runaway feedback effects. And that's what I'm calling illogical, because normally environmentalists will tell you how nature has these wonderful dynamic feedback cycles that often will damp things down. The classic one, you get more rabbits, then you get more wolves eating the rabbits, and fewer carrots, because the rabbits ate them, which means fewer rabbits, and then fewer wolves, more carrots, and more rabbits. Okay, technically rabbits eat branches, twigs, and flowers, but you get the idea. But when it's climate change, more beavers means even more beavers means even more beavers until warming kills them all off along with the wolves, the carrots, and everything else. And that's just weird. People who praise nature's dynamic self-correction under virtually any other circumstance tell you that everything climate-related causes runaway processes infallibly ending in disaster. For instance, how about this piece saying, quote, tropical plants closer to the equator are most at risk from climate change because it is expected to become too hot for many species to germinate in the next 50 years, end quote. You see what's wrong with this conclusion? If runaway warming is happening, it should drive everything away from the equator toward the poles in search of habitats that have warmed to where their old habitats used to be. Right, what ought to happen is that it's the cold-weather species that are the first to go, like polar bears, because they've got nowhere to retreat to. Meanwhile, tropical plants should be able to migrate from Central America to Wisconsin and ultimately to Baffin Island before they're last to go over the edge. But again, where climate change is concerned, normal rules of logic and biology are most at risk. In real life, of course, things are quite different. There are trade-offs in ecology, as there are in economics and life generally. For instance, more CO2, whatever else it does, actually helps plants grow, including in hot places. Thus, India seems to be looking at a record rice crop and bountiful harvests of other food too, which you'd expect to be taken as good news, particularly given widespread poverty in that nation. And it's not just India. Global cereal production seems ready to break a record. Unfortunately, CO2 also causes record doomsday predictions to flourish. It appears to fertilize them even better than it does orchids or rice. Our newsletter also talks about an important new entry in the skeptical environmentalist lists. This is Bjorn Lomberg's new book, False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. That title pretty much says it all, doesn't it? Of course, Lomberg himself has been a self-proclaimed skeptical environmentalist for years. That's not new. But this book is noteworthy because it takes on the prophets of doom with exceptional clarity and vigor insists that they stop scaring the children and start thinking intelligently about trade-offs like adults. And I want to emphasize here in praising Bjorn Lomberg, I'm not saying he shares all our views. He doesn't. He actually thinks deniers arguments were refuted years ago. He thinks rising CO2 is going to raise temperatures considerably by 2100, possibly as much as four degrees. But, he thinks the effects of this warming will be mixed, rather than entirely negative, and he makes a really strong argument that mitigating the negative effects is a far more effective strategy than trying to avoid them entirely by economic devastation that will do a lot more harm than good. Or take Zion Lights, the improbably named Extinction Rebellion spokesperson turned nuclear advocate. She too thinks CO2 is a problem. That's exactly why she's so keen on nuclear energy, which is mostly greenhouse gas-free, not during construction, but during operation. And it's absurd to suggest that either of those two is a venal hack or indifferent to the environment. Ms. Light's was profiled five years ago as Britain's greenest mother for doing things like refusing to fly and feeding her kids vegan pancakes and ice cream. We'll pass on the vegan pancakes and ice cream, thanks, and on some other aspects of her ideology. But never mind. What's important is that the goal here is to have a debate rather than a quarrel. You know, as we too often have to remind people, including the yahoos in our comments section, abuse is not argument. And since people like Lomborg or Leitz aren't very vulnerable to that kind of character assassination, if their critics want any kind of audience, they've got no choice but to argue on the merits of the case. And that's precisely what the climate discussion nexus exists to promote, logic and facts rather than yelling. There's lots more in the newsletter, more appealing than vegan pancakes, to be honest, including Vice magazine denouncing the new Ford Bronco as, quote, an obscene monument to climate denialism. You know, if you want to urge people not to misbehave, I think you should call the publication Virtue, Not Vice. But again, that's not the point. The point is that what Vice doesn't seem to understand is that the Ford Bronco is a monument to consumers and firms understanding that the climate emergency isn't that serious. They say it as if pollsters ask them, they know they're meant to, but when they shop, they vote with their dollars. And we also talk about a volcano contributing to the unrest that brought down the Roman Republic, which helps demonstrate that climate emergencies are not new and therefore not necessarily man-made. Yes, folks, a historian looks at climate change again. And by the way, for pedantic people saying it's an historian, it depends how much you aspirate the H. A historian, an historian. Both are correct. Both are okay. We also have part three of Schellenberger's season. this time, quote, climate change is not making natural disasters worse, end quote. But the other big news in the newsletter is our new partnership with co2science.org, which has kindly given us permission to share some of their work in our science section, starting with two. One is the failure even of the newest and shiniest climate models to deal properly with aerosols or the sun, almost as if they're not trying, And the other is a Chinese study suggesting that in that country cold weather causes nine times as much excess mortality as hot weather does. For all this and more, visit our website, that's climatediscussionnexus.com, subscribe to The Wednesday Wake Up if you're not already signed up, check out our videos, which you can also find on YouTube at ClimateDN, and if you're not already a backer, please make a pledge, big or small, one time or monthly, it all helps us spread the word. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.